Good morning, everyone. It's a lovely sunny day at time of recording in London town, which can only mean one thing. It's Matthew back out again with the Medics Money Triage. The small little segment where we take some bigger concepts from the main podcast, give you a few clips, and have a little chat about it. Okay, so this week's triage is taken from episode 114 of the main podcast, entitled Dispensing GP Goldmine? Question mark which aired on 27th of September 2022. Now, this is particularly relevant as we've actually just confirmed the dates for our sixth new to partnership course. Now, the guest on this podcast led a five-part bonus session all about dispensing, exclusively on the Medics Money partnership community. So head on over to medicsmoney.co.uk slash gpcourse for all the details. So for the sixth cohort, we got the first session on the 31st of July, and then subsequently the core sessions begin in September. Okay, so in this first clip, we're just covering the basics of what dispensing in general practice is. And I got an email the other day from an F2 who said that they listened to one of our quite technical GP business podcasts, and they never realized how much of running a business being a GP was, and never more so with dispensing. But like, what is dispensing, right, in simple terms? Well... Dispensing basically means you have a license to dispense medication to your NHS patients who are eligible for you to dispense to. So you have a model where you have primary care doctors who write prescriptions and they send them off to a pharmacy and nowadays it's all EPS. And so that travels via the ether to the pharmacy. Pharmacist then dispenses the medication. Many, many years ago in rural areas, it was realized that pharmacists could not make a living in rural areas. So dispensing doctors were allowed to dispense medication to those patients. And so that's how come you have dispensing by doctors, which I must emphasize is a separate business. Yeah. Okay. So sort of the doctor is the doctor and effectively the pharmacist in a dispensing scenario in simple terms. Now, I am a partner, as you know, and we do not dispense. And I think the perception amongst people that don't dispense is that, you know, dispensing practices are a goldmine, basically. And then I got to see the accounts of some dispensing practices. And I was a bit surprised in the variability. Next, the all important question, we're going to cover are dispensing practices actually a goldmine or not really? So like dispensing doctors, is it a goldmine? And if not, why not? It's never going to be a goldmine, but it will be an added source of income if you run your dispensary properly. I'm sure you've had a look at some accounts where the dispensaries have not been run as effectively as maybe they should. So you can make a loss in your dispensing if you don't keep an eye on it. You would imagine that it should be a gold mine. And many, many years ago, it was very easy because drug companies used to give huge big discounts and dispensing doctors didn't have to do much to earn a fair amount of money. But if you look at the earnings of GPs who are dispensing and non-dispensing over the last three to four years, the gap is narrowing. It used to be about 12,000 more per annum per dispensing GP. That narrowed right down to about 6,000 a couple of years ago. You just had the most recent earnings figures, which I think you need to treat with a little bit of caution because those are 
taken from accountants, and we all know about accountancy magic. I hope I'm not stepping on anyone's toes. But, and in the last year, if you have a look at the figures, dispensing doctors made on average about £10,000 more per annum pre-tax than non-dispensing. And that's for running two businesses. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, can I dispense? The answer to this is partially covered in this next clip. Well, if you look at it very technically, every doctor is a dispensing doctor because every doctor can dispense personally administered items to their own NHS patients. And if you think of personally administered, generally that is any injectables, anything with a local anesthetic in it and stuff which you won't necessarily personally administer. These are all deemed personally administered by the NHS Business Service Authority. And so you are able to dispense and you would get reimbursement plus a dispensing fee for those. You cannot dispense non-personally administered items. So to become a dispensing practice, you have to be in what's called a controlled locality. A controlled locality is deemed controlled by the local health authority. And it's very vague because they say the area needs to be rural in nature. And that is open to interpretation. And we have seen over the past four or five years, some CCGs, as they were, trying to take away controlled locality from certain areas. If they take away controlled locality, you cannot dispense to any patients who are not in a controlled locality. So to dispense, you have to be in a controlled locality, and that gives you premises permission to dispense from your premises. Then any patient who lives more than one mile as the crow flies from a pharmacy, you can dispense to them as well. So it can get quite complex. And that's the basics. There are other little complexities to it. But I think that that should explain who you can dispense to and who can dispense. Now, there are some tax issues that are worth taking into consideration as well. So we talked a bit about, you know, how much a dispensing GP makes and you said a ballpark figure was 12 and a half per dispensing partner but maybe less I mean who gets that money and let's talk about the tax issues that that can throw up right you want to talk about the tax issues there are many complications so generally the income from dispensing gets recycled within the practice to provide more services for the patients. That's what happens generally. Any profit, obviously you're going to get taxed on that. You will have your superannuation taken off. So that can add to breaching your superannuation levels. Added to that, you have the whole issue of VAT. So every single dispensing practice is VAT registered. And if we want to go into the whole VAT discussion, which I will do during one of my webinars, it can get very complex and you can find that having the extra income can actually cause you a little bit more of a headache. Not that we don't want the extra income. Yeah, VAT. I normally rest my laptop on Ed's VAT textbook because it brings my laptop up about, you know, four or five inches. Arguably, most importantly, let's hear some of the advantages to a dispensing practice. 
Well, the advantage to the patient is it's a one-stop shop. And if you go to dispensing practice, the vast majority of them, the patient will walk in, have the consultation, and the GP will maybe use the prescription to end the consultation, as they often do. But in a dispensing practice, the GP would signal that the patient should be able to go around to the dispensary and collect their prescription. And most dispensaries are very, very efficient. And by the time the patient gets to the dispensary hatch or the dispensary, they are able to pick up their medication and go straight on. So it's a fantastic service for those patients. The advantages to the doctor, obviously, there's financial advantages. But also, I believe that a lot of dispensing doctors put a lot more time into learning about all the different drugs. And so they develop a broader knowledge of all the available brands that are there. They develop a knowledge of when it's best to prescribe by brand or by generic. So there are advantages clinically, and they also know what's in stock. So the patient can get their medication and they tend to stick to a fairly defined formulary. They don't often go off formulary. So those are the advantages. You should know by now, as always, I like to hold a little bit back to give a little incentive to check out the full episode. So if you'd like to hear about the disadvantages of setting up a dispensing practice, check it out wherever you get your podcast. Of course, providing that is enough of an incentive. For the last clip, let's hear Philip giving some wisdom about the state of general practice at the minute. I wonder if for the last five minutes I could use your wisdom and experience because, you know, there's a lot of negativity around in GP at the moment, and it's pretty tough being a GP at the moment. But what my more experienced colleagues say is that, you know, it goes in cycles and things get really bad and then they get good again. You know, with the benefit of your, what do you say, 31 years? Yeah. Uh, you know, what, what's your kind of feeling on where we're at in that cycle and what's happening in GP right now in, compared to what's happened historically? Because we've been here before, right? And Yeah, th- there is a five-year cycle. So every five years, my belief is that someone in Whitehall says, well, we need to create some more jobs. So let's restructure. So they start the restructure. And in my area in Norfolk, I think in my time, we went backwards and forwards between four organizations and one organization five or six times. So there was the one PCT, then four PCTs, then CCGs. Now you've got the ICSs. It's just a restructuring, supposedly to bring about greater efficiencies, but that doesn't always work. I think you just need to keep your head down, look at the clinical side. Obviously, you've got to look at income as well. So there will be certain areas. The quaff was the big one. But that seems to be heading to the back burner now. And everyone, they basically get you to do stuff, pay you for it, and then over time withdraw that payment and expect you to continue doing it. And just accept it. It's not worth fighting it. What I did every five years myself, I tried something new. So I became a trainer. So I did training for a while. I did a bit of acupuncture for a while. I did minor surgery. You know, so find something that really enthuses you. 
and do that because otherwise the job can drag you down. There is pressure. There's huge pressure from patients and there's internal pressure from yourself because, you know, we all doubt ourselves and think one day, you know, we're going to be found out that we don't know anything. But you've got a huge amount of knowledge use that knowledge and also the one thing that really changed the way i practice in the last 10 years was getting a nurse practitioner a fantastic nurse practitioner and allowing other people within the clinical team to take on responsibilities such as reading all the letters and actioning all the letters so I only saw two or three letters a day, checking all of my results. So I only saw three or four results a day, but you have to find the right person who's able to do that. And that will take a huge amount off your workload. That's my tip for the year. Okay, as always, thanks for tuning in to Medics Money Triage. I'm actually off to go and meet Ed to do a little bit of uh, Medics Money work together. Should be really nice in the sun. And just a quick reminder that we have confirmed the dates now for our sixth cohort of the Medics Money Partnership course. So if you're a new partner in a practice and you want to learn everything you need to know, please do come along. You can get in touch at team at medicsmoney.co.uk or through the website at medicsmoney.co.uk forward slash GP course. Cheers, everyone. Have a good week.